the guy has a power output. He creates wattage like nobody else. We see that in his time trialing. And now it's evident when he's given the opportunity to do big climbing races. So will it affect his cyclocross? I think it takes some of the edge off of that speed that you need for cyclocross as you come out of the corners, the constant braking, accelerating. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Today I am joined by a special guest all the way from the United States, race organizer Brooke Watts. Well, thank you. It's it's so nice to be here. And Twan is also here and we will be talking today about the X2O Badkamer Trophy held in Kortrijk. In case you missed it, this is the new name of the DVV Trophy, which is going to be held in Kortrijk this um, Saturday actually, because is the, going to be the first double header with uh, Tabor on Sunday, but we'll be taking a look ahead at Tabor specifically in a separate podcast, which will be online tomorrow morning. So, um, Twan, we are going to Kortrijk. Uh, can you give us a short, uh, yeah, some details about the park course? Uh, Kortrijk, if you remember from last year, is of course the urban city cross. So uh, the cross is really in the city center. Um, we start at the foot of the bridge. And then we go into what is quite a quick parkour if it's dry. Uh, also uh, quite technical at some point. And um, yeah, it, it is a very interesting parkour uh, in the city as well. So you'll, you'll get to see some uh, nice shots. Uh, not of the usual uh, foresty area, areas that we uh, go to. If I remember correctly, Brooke, uh, you were there last year. Um, it seems to be a fast parkour. So do you agree on that? Well, I, I was not in Kortrijk, unfortunately, but I enjoyed watching it. And I love the concept that uh, Erwin uh, and Golazzo brought, which is how, how to bring the racing to the people. So this urban setting. Uh, and it looked to me and, and uh, like that finish was much more deceiving than one would think. If you say, oh, the finish is on the bridge, you think, okay, it's a bridge. But, but that bridge had quite a, quite a steep crown to it. Um, and, and I agree that uh, if it's dry, it's super fast. If I recall, they did uh, a high lap count last year, perhaps 10, perhaps 11 laps. So it was, uh, was extremely fast. And uh, I haven't looked at the weather, but I would expect that it would be uh, probably much the same this year. The weather forecast at the moment is sunny, 10 degrees. Not much rain has fallen this week either, so indeed it should be a real fast course. And of course the main story here is uh, the return of Wout van Aert. If you follow the road cycling, and I imagine most cyclocross fans have done so, you would have seen the winner of Strade Bianchi, winner of uh, Milan Sanremo, two stages in the Tour. I mean, what hasn't this guy won on the road? Do you guys expect that he would have had this this good of a road season this year? Well, <clears throat> and you notice that he's wise enough in, in his interviews to say, oh, I, I have no expectations to do well. I, I'm having a slow start. What His exact words were, I do not think I'll perform very well in this first block of races. Of course, you know, you have to set the bar low like that. I expect he will do well if he can overcome. Where will he start? The uh, third row, fourth row? If he can overcome that start, then let's go back to that bridge section, which is slightly steep. 
he can he can uh, uh, make up some ground there. So you know, even when he is off the cyclocross bike, let's take his his injury period last year. He came back for came back starting in Loon out short period of racing, and then where was he? Fourth place in Dubendorf. So uh, you know, the cream always rises. This guy has talent that is is unlike uh, any other that that uh, that we see. Yeah, I, I definitely agree on that. I think last year he had a way tougher transition back into cyclocross after that, uh, well, quite terribly looking crash in the Tour de France. And um, he has also chosen quite a nice parkour for himself uh, to come back on as it is one that should suit him better. And I, I think he should be up there for a top five placing. Uh, of course, he is uh, not... Uh, taking the highest expectations and publicly downplaying it. But uh, I think we can expect a solid cross from him. He indeed looks to be downplaying his expectations a bit. But if you remember back to last year, he did the same. And I think at that point it was also a big question mark for himself where he would be after his injury. But look back at his comeback in Lunaut. He took the head start. He finishes fifth in the end. Fourth in Gulligem, fifth in Antwerpen. Second in Zonnebeke, eighth in Hogerheide, and then fourth at the World Championships, despite having a puncture, um, whilst he was in the wheel of Pitcock, who then ended second. So I think that Van Aert is definitely somebody to keep in mind, and maybe not for the win, but on a fast parkour like this, if it's dry, which it is at the moment, and he has a good start, who knows where he can end up. And I think, that's what I think, I think if he can get himself in the lower top top 10 maybe to somewhere between 5th and 10th he can be he can be uh, pleased with himself with his first cyclocross race it would certainly provide that confidence for uh for the following day in 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 tabor and for the future of course and 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 you know you have to think that that the local guy ellie is uh will be trying very hard in Kortrek. that's uh you know that's that's his hometown race we don't see many races in that region, unfortunately, though it feels like maybe that's growing for the future. So uh, it's going to be a good battle. There's also been some talks, um, especially on Sporza, about um, Van Aert. He had a great road season, as I mentioned. Um, he was also climbing well um, in the mountains, in the high mountains. And they did some speculation that he maybe, maybe he would have focused too much on the road now and... Um, that would cost him in the cyclocross. Do you guys agree with Sports or do you more think that maybe this guy just, of course he's super talented, but that he just discovered that he could climb, but that this wouldn't affect his cyclocross performance? The guy has a power output. He creates wattage like nobody else. We see that in his time trialing, and now it's evident when he's given the opportunity to do big climbing races. What had he done before? Some of the Ardennes races in preparation for his cyclocross season. So entirely different climbing. So will it affect his cyclocross? I think it takes some of the edge off of that speed that you need for cyclocross as you come out of the corners, the constant braking, accelerating. But as we said, he can come back from that with just a short transition period, a few short races of not so top results. And then suddenly the, the engine is firing, uh, firing on all cylinders. So um, uh, 
I don't think he's a guy that you can that you can use a, a specific formula and say, okay, he's transitioned to Grand Tour rider. Forget forget the field. He's he's done with uh, he's done with cyclocross. Yeah, I think Van Aert has always been of the longer efforts, especially in the later years. Um, you see that uh, he really on the power courses uh, is more able to challenge Vanderpool. And I, I think uh, that is something that we will see more and more. Um, he might be indeed in the start, especially missing that acceleration out of turns. So uh, that will be something that he will be training on and uh, looking out for during the races. Van Aert will be battling the main guys of the last couple of weeks. Izerbiet, Zweig, Aerts and Van Tournout. Where would you guys place him between these, uh, between these other riders? So would you say he would be able to compete with them or he should be uh, satisfied with a place in the lower top 10? And out of these guys, who do you think would have the best chance of winning? It's always a question of, uh, uh, of whether uh, uh, Powell Salzen rides cohesively, whether they ride as a team or whether they ride for personal glory. Uh, I have to think <clears throat> that the orders from Jurgens will be, uh, we must win this, you know, this, this is, this is important. This, this makes a statement. And of course they would want to hand it to, to, to Ellie on a, on a silver platter. Uh, so I, I think that, uh, and of course we can't forget Tone, how he fits into this. This isn't a completely Wout versus the other guys, uh, uh, dynamic. So I, I think I think he'll I think he'll be up there. Will he be on a podium step? That that is the big question. But uh, I think he, I think he will show himself at the front and will be there at the end. I, I think for the time being, uh, Wout van Aert is going to be just behind those four riders. Maybe uh, back there with Van der Haar just riding a very strong race and uh, always have the slower start. So maybe he gets a bit lucky. Van der Haar has this uh, slower start again. And they can just ride the race together. Uh, as for the race winner, I, I think Paul Sousen will probably take it. Uh, they they have three guys that are now capable of winning, especially after the last week. It just becomes very hard to see on what looks like a very fast parkour and thus uh, quite a tech, uh, tactical race. It, it looks very hard for Tone Arts to win here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree on that. And... But I don't think Arts uh, doesn't stand a chance. I think this parkour would be the best to probably Swake. Swake looks like these fast parkourses. He has some punch in him. And I think uh, Swake would definitely have a shot here. And you know, honestly, I think on this fast type of parkourses, it's usually harder to make a difference, to break out from the rest. And um, if Van Aert would have been uh, actually on this place where he would have been if the UCI rankings didn't get updated because in case you missed it, the uh, UCI, they decided to keep the points of races that got cancelled because of COVID. They decided to keep those points in the current <coughs> UCI rankings and then reset the entire rankings for next year. So this means that first, when the cancelled races were taken out, Van Aert was 18th on the ranking, which would mean a second row start. But now, uh, with the cancelled races back in, he is 39th or something in the UCI rankings, which means he will probably start from the third or fourth row. So that will probably cost him a bit. And I think if he would have had that old starting place, he could have even been able to stay in that front group and challenge. And then, 
you have what Tone Art has been saying the last couple of weeks. Van der Poel, Van Aert, Pitcock, they come back. The likes of Melier, they come back. And then all of a sudden, this big number of Paul Sousa guys at the front is challenged by multiple riders and not just by him week after week. And yeah. I think that's definitely what Art will be hoping for as well. Well, and, and, and you mentioned the guys coming back. I, I don't I don't think you can leave uh, Jori Nievenhaus off that list, you know. And, and, and again, he... He he's going to need that transition period to get settled in and and show himself at the front. But uh, uh, when we last saw him, he was he was riding very very well in in the elite group. Yes, and uh, another name, Johnny Vermeers, also rode uh, strong in uh, Gent Wevelgem, especially. I think all the this really shows that these cyclocross riders are riders to keep to keep uh, in mind going towards the next couple of seasons on the road and i think it also shows that the combination cyclocross and road Sven nice was one of the first to in modern era to try and combine that doing paris roubaix and i think it really shows that the combination it really helps you because you're getting a wide uh, wide development on every every aspect of cycling well then um I think uh, we can make uh, some uh, predictions about who we think is going to win the men's race before we are going to address the women's race, which is probably also going to be an uh, exciting race. So um, for the men's race, who wants to go first with their pick? I'll, I'll jump in there. I, I, I like the way that Michael is looking. I think Michael is on a comeback tour. Uh, and and uh, I'm, I'm you know always been impressed with... Uh, uh, Michael, I think people forget that he does have a, a set of rainbow stripes in his closet. Uh, certainly, we saw a great race last weekend uh, from Michael and, and not only showing his strength, but showing his ability to be a team player. So uh, maybe, it, maybe it's just sentimental, but uh, I'm going I'm to select Michael for this win. Then I am going to go for his teammate, Lauren Sveik. I think uh, the fast parkour really suits him. And, um, well, uh, I think, as you said, uh, Michael is a very good teammate. So he, he tends to let the other two go and let the gaps fall. Uh, last week, doing a superb job taking it himself when he was the best out of the three. But I think uh, this is uh, one of those uh, Lauren Sveik parkourses. I would have gone for Swake as well, but um, now I'm going to choose um, somebody else. Quinten Hermans, I think he's been improving week after week. Fast parkours, considering he also rode good on the road. He would have taken the KOM jersey in the Criterium de Dauphiné if he hadn't crashed in the downhill. I think uh, he might surprise here. Uh, all eyes on Van Aert and the battle between uh, Paul Sousa and, um, and uh, Ton Aert. So I think uh, Hermans might just be... Uh, the laughing third guy, as we say in Dutch, and he uh, will be able to clinch the victory here. That's a good selection, Noah, and I think it's 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 long overdue. Tormans is long overdue uh, for uh, for a victory, and and maybe both he and Cornet are just warming up now that we're into the um, you know uh, do I want to say the middle point of the season? You know when things are starting to intensify the to, the two races per weekend, so. Uh, you know, you may be the guy with the with the smartest pick. Time will tell. Time will tell. Let's take a look ahead at the women's race then, because the women's race always provides us with uh, action. And um, before we um, go into the, our main point where we talk about every week, the battle between Brandt, Alvarado, Worst, Betsema, you name them, uh, we have a question for Brooke as he is our guest. 
last year we saw um, a couple of talented riders from the USA come in. Faringer, Honsinger, Compton has always been there. Faringer and uh, Honsinger, they uh, came after the American Championships in the top 10 on the World Cup in um, Namur. This year their start hasn't been that great. However, the American races, they were cancelled and we think that affected them. Could you explain us um, like something about the general situation in the American circuit and why those races got cancelled this year? Well, in, in fact, the entire calendar of, of U.S. races, aside from what we would call, uh, you know, B-crosses or local races, the entire calendar was cancelled. Uh, that decision was made fairly early so that riders could make, uh, make a, a appropriate plans. Uh, our national championships were canceled. I think that, that announcement was made in late August or early September because it, uh, uh, we're, uh, of course, we hadn't even begun this second wave of coronavirus, uh, but everyone understood that things were not going to be improving anytime soon. So as a result, some riders have called off their seasons or simply, you know, continuing to ride, hoping they can recover next year. <clears throat> and then those that we see in Europe now uh, are, are the ones who said, okay, I'm gonna continue training and find a way to get over there uh, and, and deal with the situation in, in, uh, in Europe, Belgium specifically. Uh, and we see that that is changing on, I don't wanna say a weekly basis, but, but it continues to, uh, change and adjust. For example, the need now to get tested before every race has, has caused some complications, you know, just makes one more thing that you have to deal with in your, in your weekly schedule. So, uh, so, so the group that we see racing there now, you name the names, those are, you know, those, those are the, the, the U S racers who have proven that they can adapt to not only the, the European style of racing, but the European way of living. And, and it is two different things that you have to get used to. You can, you can get over there and race, but then you also have to get through the day-to-day, -day, the training, the, the taking care of yourself and, and, and the accommodations, the, uh, the complete change of lifestyle that's, uh, uh, that you encounter when you get to Europe. And then with that um, series there, or at least we tend to call it a series. I know there isn't, is there a classification? I don't think so. Uh... No, it is not a classification. It's just a, it's just a, a collection of uh, uh, UCI, mostly C2 races uh, every weekend in different parts of the U.S. Uh, and in many instances requiring travel by airplane to get to, uh, to, to each of the races. We of course have our uh, uh, continental championships. Last year they were held in Canada. This year they were going to be held. I was going to be the organizer. They were going to be held in Fayetteville, Arkansas, uh, Arkansas on the parcours of the, the 2022 world championships. But we made the decision very early to cancel that primarily because the borders were closed to anyone from Canada or uh, south of the border our Pan American champ, or rather our Pan American Confederation covers from the Arctic Circle to the tip of Argentina, 42 nations. So, uh, so it's quite a wide area that people have to travel from to race and, and with the borders closed, it just made no sense. And of course, because the most American riders didn't come here at the beginning of the season, 
was usually they ride there and get in a rhythm. Now they miss that rhythm and that is probably a reason that their um, results haven't been as great as they were last year. Let's let, let me add something else to that. And, and we see this even with European riders. The racing at the front end of the race is so much faster than it used to be. Is it the youth of, of Selin? <clears throat> That's one factor. Is it the road strength of, of uh, Lucinda? That's another factor. But then you've got Anne-Marie in there. The racing is picked up. You know, you look at the lap times, it, it is just so fast. The, the starts are blazing fast. And, and Sana would tell you, wow, these, the, you know, these starts are, are starting at a completely different speed than they used to, perhaps. So, so I, I, I think that's going to take an adjustment period for the newly arrived Americans as well. You know, first, you got to settle in and get back to your sleeping patterns and, and kind of settle into the different daylight periods and all of that then you've got to get accustomed to the racing again. And, and this racing is so fast from the start that it's, uh, uh, it's going to take a little bit of time. It's certainly a tough transition. And what makes the transition even tougher for some is uh, Faringer. She crashed in um, the race uh, last weekend at the Merckx Plus. And um, she has a concussion, so she won't be starting this weekend. Shame for her. Let's hope she can recover quickly and return to racing. Um, also in Kortrijk, which we are discussing now, Katie Compton won't be at the start. She will be focusing on the World Cup in Tabor mainly. And I would say it's a smart choice by her because I've already read a story by Sanne Kant who said some uh, riders, and I think she mainly meant men, judging by that, take a private jet from Kortrijk to, um, to Tabor. The charter flight that would be arranged is cancelled because of covid so she needs to go by car. So after Kortrijk, it's a 12-hour drive, mainly in the night. And I think it's a wise decision by Compton. Because I think if you focus there, other rides that are doing so is uh, Fash. She will be um, also only racing in Tabor. She's already been in check for a couple of weeks now. So I think that it could definitely benefit them. Because a night drive of 12 hours, it's certainly not the, not your ideal preparation. Yes, I, I I agree with you, and 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 that is uh, that is the new reality. Uh, I mean, we discussed this last year when the when the the new World Cup uh, formula was released that it was it was going to require much more travel than the riders were currently accustomed to, <clears throat> and we hear the same thing when when the talk turns to. World Cups in the United States and the difficulties of travel. And the American writers often like to say, well, yes, but this is what we've been dealing with for years. I always use the example of Formula One uh, auto racing and, and how it went from very much a European focus and then slowly began to incorporate uh, US races and, and, and now is completely global in, in its scope. And, and I think that, that that will be the future without a doubt that, you know, we will, we will start racing in Australia or Asia uh, and then, then move to another continent, then move back to Europe perhaps. But, uh, you know, it's travel is the new reality uh, within our sport. I think it's definitely something um, that will be implemented at some point. And 
questions about whether it should be more affordable or if you go to Australia and the US have not just one race there because then it's not a point of shipping all your bikes but having two those are all fair questions but I do think that if you want to internationalize the sport that this is the way to go and riders don't have to start both as Compton and Fash so show you can also just start one and that leaves other names at the start in um, Kortrijk and week after week we've seen them battling the most recent battle that has occurred in the women's race looks to be Alvarado against Brandt do we guys uh, think that for this weekend it's going to be uh, another episode in uh, Alvarado versus Brandt or could perhaps Vos bounce back I think uh, in Kortrijk it will be between Alvarado and Brandt. Uh, I certainly think that uh, Worst will be playing a part. But I have this feeling we're going to see the same as we did uh, last weekend at the Max Plus. And for uh, this week, of course, no sand pits where she can lose the wheel. But I think it's going to be a constant battle for her to uh, stay in the group. And I think that is going to take its toll. And in the end, uh, Alvarado and Brandt will be riding away. Do you think it goes down to a sprint, or do you think we see someone solo to the finish? I, I think after last year's finish, uh, Alvarado will definitely be trying to avoid a sprint. Uh, Brandt showed how extremely powerful she is, and that uh, she's really got that timing down. And uh, we, of course, already saw that uh, this year as well at the Jaarmark course in Niel. Um, so Alvarado will be looking to go solo and I, I think uh, Lucinda Brandt will be putting a, uh, Alvarado under a bit of pressure um, but she will be absolutely fine I think taking it to the finish line mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they look so close matched in terms of form and skills at this point that it's really hard to see where they can make a significant difference here without uh, any major obstacles of course it will be a hard race but no tough sand pits or uh, major hills to make a difference. So I could see this go down to a sprint, but then it could also become a tactical race where someone like Betsma had a bad start last week, but still managed second there. If she has a good start this week, I think um, we definitely shouldn't count her out. Yeah, definitely. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Betsma is really... um... Well, losing out because of uh, starts, and I, I think she's definitely up there with Alvarado and Brandt. It's just that she has to keep on closing gaps, uh, which costs a lot of power. And that, uh, well, last week, uh, and I think it was about eight seconds at the finish line. And that just simply isn't that much when you realize that uh, after the first lap, she wasn't even in the first 15 to come through. Yes, and, and, and she, she uh, readily admits that that is her weak point and that's something she needs to work on. Um, and uh, uh, if she can combine the total package, you know, all of those elements and perfect all of those elements, it's, it's, uh, uh, the result would be quite amazing. It, you know, in the same way that we talk about Yara Castellan and, you know, one of these days Yara is going to perfect the tactical aspects uh, of our sport and when she begins to get more proficient with those tactical aspects, then she's going to be able to take it up uh, one more step. So it's uh, uh, you, you see the ones who can combine all of those different elements, the good start, the, the, the uh, good tact, uh, tactical aspects, technical ability, which, you know, again, Yara really suffers with the technical ability. 
uh, once you put all those pieces together, then you're unstoppable. And then the last thing uh, that I want to mention is the comeback of Inge van der Heide. She had some kind of injury to her foot. She's starting in a good position, I think, even on the first row. And she loves fast spark courses like this. We've seen it again and again. And I think, uh, I don't. of course, you don't know how that injury has affected her. But I think... Um, I think she wouldn't be starting uh, here if she would be um, if she if she would just have gotten uh, recovered and not any training. I think she should be able to compete for top ten because definitely on a parkour like this, the quality is there for her. So I'm sure with her with her returning, uh, all of the other riders are saying, "Oh, just what we need an, uh, another Dutch girl uh, in the mix," you know. Uh, but uh, but she's definitely one of my favorites. She doesn't have uh, rainbow stripes for. Uh, uh, for no good reason, and I, I think that's a good pick that uh, we're going to see her back in the mix very soon. Well, then I think we've discussed uh, the main points here for the women's race on this. Uh, there's anything else to add? Then we can go make our picks for the women's race, and uh, who wants to go first? I, you know, it's a coin toss in my view. Uh, you know, can I do I do I get a choice of Lucinda and uh, Celine? Because uh, you know, as as we said, it's it. I think it's going to be between those two. It's that close. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, we could flip a coin and still not know who it would be because uh, it's so close. For me, it's either one of them, and otherwise, uh, the third one uh, to pick would be Betsema. Well, I'll I'll play the game. Uh, I'll take Lucinda in a sprint. Uh, then I'll be going with uh, Denise Betsema. I think she is the better option over Alvarado to beat uh, Lucinda Brandt because I think um, the other two might be slightly underestimating her because she has been having these tough starts. So if she can get that together, uh, she definitely has, uh, I think, a better chance of riding away from the rest than Alvarado has and to uh, finish solo and win here. And don't forget, Betsema has a fast sprint last year at the European Championships. She almost... Uh... Oh no, not last year, the year before. She almost took uh, Voss on the line there in a punchy sprint in Rosmalen. that was. So um, definitely a good pick. And then I'll go with the obvious choice that remains, and that is Alvarado. And I think we've had it all. I would like to thank uh, Brooke for joining us uh, on his early morning. What a delight. It's, it's, it's fun to talk cyclocross uh, any time of the day. I, I, uh... Uh, to watch the racing live, we have to get up very early here in the U.S. to to watch it uh, to watch it on the internet. So uh, so I'm happy to be up uh, talking cyclocross. And of course, also thank you, uh, Twan, for being here once again. Yeah, thank you for having me on again. And then um, that's the that's it for this podcast. Um, what remains me is to. Um, provide you with uh, the information if you want to know where to watch the XOL Badkamer of in Kortrijk, make sure to check cyclocrosssocial.com slash live if you are wondering what race there is on Sunday, that's Stabor as we said we will be making a separate podcast uh, in a preview about that that will be coming tomorrow morning and this weekend you will be provided with the analysis of Kortrijk and Tabor, both in separate podcasts Thank you guys for listening and I will see you guys tomorrow. Goodbye.